Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 12 of the Mizogart podcast. This week I'm taking you into the studio of MC Yamas. MC is best known for her abstract portraits that she's shown several times at Xavier Ellis's Charlie Smith's Gallery and more recently at Jealous Needs You at Jealous East. In this episode, MC tells us about her recent series of paintings which aren't abstract and a new direction she's contemplating that could possibly pull her away from creating art. I don't really want to speak too much more about this podcast because I'll end up giving too much away. So if we just reflect on last week's podcast, just for a few moments, which was the Kersler Trust. If you're listening to this podcast on Monday the 5th, that would mean the Kersler Trust exhibition finished yesterday. So you'll no longer be able to get down there to see it. But I'm recording this now on Thursday the 18th of October. And I happen to go down to the Royal Festival Hall to see the exhibition today. And like Sarah and I were mentioning last week, I approached one of the invigilators, Andrew, and asked him to give me a little tour of the exhibition. The show was as powerful as ever, and I do urge you to go at least over to their social media site or Kersler's website just to have a look to see what they do if you wasn't able to get to the show. So if you're in the southeast and you happen to be in the Margate area in the spring, they're having another exhibition down there at the Turner Contemporary where the exhibition will be curated by those under the umbrella of the local probation service. And as before, if you're unable to make it, at least go over to their Instagram or Twitter page and hit them up with a little bit of love. But anyway, back to this week. Let's take a little trip into the studio of MC Yamas. We're in the studio of MC Lamas. Is mm-hmm. it, do you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, Yamas. Yamas. Yamas, yeah. Yamas. It's a Spanish M- thing. It's like Kumata Yamas. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so, hello. Hello. Hi. I'm going to go straight in okay. with the first question, mm-hmm. which is, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Hmm. Um, I do... Well, I mostly work in charcoal, actually. Um, but what do I do? I make portraits... So they're portraits and they turn into memento mori, so very often they end up looking like skulls. So it's um, an abstraction of a portrait 
it's an idea of a portrait more than it is a portrait itself. And I started working in Florence, and I studied, I studied um, figurative portraiture from life, and they were working a lot with charcoal. So when did and they go to abstract? Was it because I saw some of your work in I think it's two thousand and fifteen, or it might have been sixteen, when they was actual prints of portraits, yeah, and you was putting an abstract form over the top of it. Yeah. Um, well, they started going abstract when I went to art school, ah. and um, I kind of freed up a little bit. And and I've always worked a lot with geometry. I was like when I was in foundation, I made um, it was a, a Da Vinci drawing, which was a, a like geometrical star shape. Yeah. And it was supposed to be an, it, he made a mistake with the perspective of it, and so I took it upon myself to try and remake it and see whether try it could actually. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> whether it could happen. Mistakes. Yeah, I was like, here you go, Da Vinci. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get on with that. Now, yeah. <laughs> now I can get on with my stuff. And that's how I kind of I got into geometry a lot and and kind of playing around with shapes and three dimensions. And then they started. Trans- so like, when was it they went? Because then they went from that into charcoal, didn't they? Yeah. And did you start off? Because those first, the form you put over it, the abstract form was quite colourful, wasn't it? Yes. And yeah. then it went, you saw the the um, the charcoal creeping in, and yeah. then it was just completely charcoal, wasn't yeah. it, the portraits? Yeah, I mean, I started originally completely with charcoal. Just, oh, you did, Yeah, Sorry. just so as to understand the language that I was dealing with. And I kind of obsessively just did yeah. abstract portraits for like three years at college, and my tutors went crazy going, you're just constantly doing the same thing, you're going crazy over this. And so... You could still definitely see the portraits underneath the abstract yeah. form, couldn't you? Even yeah. on your charcoal. Yeah, and some people even recognise themselves. Yeah. In yeah, was it? Who was it? No, I saw straight. Was it Brian Ferry? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw Brian Ferry yeah. straight yeah. away. Yeah, there was Brian Ferry, and I mean, lots. Also, there were lots of people that I met whilst hanging out yeah. at the Grouch Show. Yeah. So there's like there's a Maya Norman there, and Mike Collishaw, and Polly Morgan. And a lot, yeah, a lot of them recognised themselves. Oh, good. Which was funny, and so yeah, so it was still people class that as an abstract portrait if they could recognise themselves. Sorry. Would it still class as an abstract portrait if they could recognise themselves? I don't know. That's a very good question. I think they're more you, they're more emotional portraits yeah. as well. So there's a, it's oh, an emotional portraiture, and you can see some are, some are sad, some are happier. So I think also people recognise themselves in those moments. Because I saw your stuff again at Charlie Smith's. Yes. Um, in, would that have been the start of this year? Um, uh, that no, was Young Gods. Yeah, Young Gods. Um, no, Young Gods. Young Gods, that would have been two years ago. But that was, um, that was funny because these came about, I was in Japan and I was just desperate to draw I hadn't we had been away for a while and because they'd gone back to colour hadn't they and they were yeah and I just took they have incredible marker pens in Japan and they had like they just squared paper and I started sketching up with marker I pens and that's how they graph paper. yeah and those that's how those started and Xavier um, Xavier said that that's what he wanted me to do for that show so he's well, on the, the on marker the pen ones he saw it on my Instagram and he, he said, could you just, yeah, could you make... Tell was this like 20? Uh, yeah, yeah, like even more than that. It was Probably. a big grid and there must have, I think there were 50 of them. Because they were hung well, weren't they? Yeah, there were 50 yeah, of them. Yeah, that was a pretty cool show, that one. Yeah, yeah thank you. But uh, yeah, Xavier's a good curator as well. He's very good. Yeah, he's brilliant. 
Um, so that's how they came about. But it, they're all they're still in the. I mean, it was an interesting, it was an interesting kind of training of because I had to simplify them because I couldn't do as many layers with yeah. marker pens because it just get dirty and damage the paper. Yeah, you start building up and building exactly. up, and then you lose what was underneath. Exactly. So I had to simplify a lot when I was doing those and then through the that process of making portraits they I also always go back to the form of a skull if I see yeah. that I might if I see that I'm letting myself go too much in the abstraction I go back to the do shape of a skull you take away what you've put on or do you just it's just an layer ad- more yeah, over it's an additive process I rub it down but I can never completely take it away yeah um yeah do you know when your first interest in art um, I've always painted since I was a kid. I was oh, never, yeah. yeah, I was never one to play with dolls. Actually, my parents have funny stories where I just paint on my dolls and use the heads to like, definitely not giving her any more dolls, just like give her like some acrylic. And right. yeah, it was always because most people ask, What was your first interest in art? Yeah, and at that time, who was your, um, your main influence, right. Uh, the fa- the artist you like you know you like the most but yeah. at that age you're not going to have one are you no not really Barbie was your main influence sorry Barbie your yeah Barbie, Barbie. Um, I mean my grandfather was um, used to do a lot of I grew up with him repairing motorbikes and he had a like obsession with old English motorbikes so I grew up where he he put newspaper on his studio table that was so oily and full of yeah, tools yeah, yeah, yeah. and I just look at him do like just work on the engines and I think it's that manual labor that's always been at the back of my head and I was quite close to him but these could well be made of oil the ones behind you yeah couldn't they? yeah and I do get my hands really oily and dirty um, and that was in France that was in France yes it was well do you know your, t- your first turning point as an artist or when you thought you wanted to be an artist? Um, I've always, I've like, I'm, when I was very young, I went to architecture school in France, and I was fifteen. So it's kind of, it's never been a question. I always knew I wanted. That's what I wanted to yeah. do. And and I I like writing about art as well. But being an artist, that's I need to draw and I need to paint in order to feel good about. It. Oh, I just good. go a bit crazy if. If I stop painting, can you remember the first piece that you carried with conviction that mm. you thought that is the piece of art that I was trying to make? Um, huh? Maybe that Da Vinci sculpture, actually. Yeah. Yeah, probably because I was I got myself into welding and it took me about a year to make it, and so I had to really persevere with it, and like, and it did turn out kind of what I wanted it to turn out um, into so I think that's the one piece that like stuck stuck with me and that I took with me and that I constantly think about and it was the start of actually using geometry and really going through with something and learning a new because even your drawings now they're very you can see they're quite architectural anyway yeah. aren't they yes yeah they what are. happened to the piece that you're on about it's it's in the south of France. Oh, it's still there. Yeah, it's in the garden, which is it's complete hazard. It's nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's, it? it's like this spiky thing. I actually have two of them. I made another one that was in um, 
chat show and it was um, curated by Ben Moore oh, yeah. Art Vila, and yeah. like, there was Matt Collage and all sorts of people in that show and there was this like I mean this this one was a bigger version it's like a blue spiky thing but it like I mean it's got a diameter of about a meter fifty yeah. wow it's really big it's nearly as like big as I am mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just full of spikes I send you a photo another question here is what piece have you created that you hold most dear which is I suppose it's sort of like a little bit similar to the last question. Um, but is there a piece that that you that meant a lot? Hmm, that's a good question. It's difficult. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know. I don't really know. Maybe. Is there um, is there a piece that made you change the direction that you were going in? You know what? The one, the first, it's it would that would be a portrait of my friend Christopher when we first started sharing a studio at City and Guilds, and that was the first, my first charcoal work that kind of developed all the rest of what what I've been doing up till now, because it's 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 more figurative that one, and I knew him and I I had him from life in the studio. Yeah. And it took me I don't, it took me about a week to finish it, but it was and that was the first one and I always refer and to did that, that push you off on a tangent. Yeah, exactly. From there. Yeah. Excellent. And I always refer back to that. But Chris was in the studio and he's got this really expressive face and he was moving around a lot. So I was actually draw, partly drawing him from life and we were laughing and it's, it was like just a really enjoy and I put it it was up in my studio for three years actually. I would just carry it around. Uh-huh. So well, the work <laughs> you've got behind you now yeah. You've got eight black, highly glossed canvases at what would they be? A meter by one sixty, um, yeah, one sixty by one twenty, I think. And yeah. so they're highly glossed. Yeah. You did start telling me about them earlier, mm-hmm. but I tried my best not to listen, so that I can <laughs> ask you now. <laughs> um, so these are very figurative. These are very figurative with text underneath. Yeah. So the one we're looking at is a highly glossed black canvas yeah um with it i presume that's acrylic or is that oil uh that is oil with with oil portrait of michael jackson also in black yeah beat it underneath Uh and you just set set a grid over the top with um hundred what will be hundreds of rectangular shapes making up a background Mm -hmm. so what was the turn from abstract to, to this. disfigurative, or is it just for the show? Um, well, I was, I don't, I kind of got too deep into, I just, I went, I found that I was always making the same things and my shapes were always becoming kind of the same, which for me is interesting, but for, like, and I also needed to develop um, my practice, and it came, it spanned from. Um, project that I did with Jealous Gallery of Print and mm. they were they picked an image of mine where I had an abstracted skull shape yeah. with lyrics yeah. and and from there I produced a print with them and I did a series of those abstracted more yeah. abstracted faces with lyrics and and that's how I kind of started doing that it was this interest in the lyrics and, and these are singers for where? these are for a show end of November at Alice Harry Gallery that I'm doing with a really good friend of mine called Pauline Amos 
and um, she's um, she's a performance artist as well. But she she works a lot with faces as well and portraits. And, uh, and are, so you've got eight portraits eight, each. Yeah. Are hers the same size? Uh, no, they're going to be different size, different sizes, and different. Um, not. <laughs> what was that? I've got a message. I've got to send my phone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they were no. These are these are completely new experiments. Something that I'm playing with. And I at the beginning I thought I would start figurative and then go abstract on them. But I kind of liked the clean line. Mm. Um, and then I think in this context it's better for the faces and the figures to be more uh, decipherable. Because I've seen the sketches, you'd put the sketches up mm -hmm. uh, uh, over the last couple of weeks or maybe a bit longer. Yeah. And yeah, they they are coming together well, aren't they? I and hope so. The other, if this is Michael Jackson, we also have a we have a Mar Marilyn. Yeah, Marilyn slash Madonna. Actually, I kind of mixed them up. <laughs> <laughs> so I started with doing Marilyn. Uh, I started by doing Marilyn, and then so they've got. And then I thought the Madonna lyrics were better, but then Madonna went through a Marilyn period. So the one with Michael Jackson is at the back is hundreds of squares, rectangular shapes. Rectangular. The, yeah. And there's there's probably about maybe sixty on each row. Yep. Um, these are, it goes back to the geometry, um, to the like item of geometry that I'm using in mm. my work. And I started making small paintings with logos at the back, but they were highly geometricized. So I always like having an element of geometry. And that's, I'm, that's, these paintings are more me trying to deconstruct what I've been doing. So I'm, I'm applying different layers of geometry and portraiture. So, so the, I took images from the Marilyn, um, like the Monroe, Madonna. Yeah, is there a sort of um, spiral sort of shape? Yeah, um, David the Barry. They and I thought I went back to op art as well, and Bridget Riley, and I kind of yeah, got I can see that. yeah, I got inspired by a lot of her work for the backgrounds and the text. And the text. The text, obviously, with Michael Jackson is. It's got beat it on there. Is I mean, that just his it's text? meant it's meant in a way, oh go away, because that's what the song that's the um, come on, that's the the what happens in the song. It's like it's more of a theme of like, oh go away, leave me alone. So I suppose all the looks that I've chosen do have a very personal um do have a very personal angle to them. But whilst I was drawing the portraits I had all the all the songs and like artists on loop. And whichever oh, one popped, nice. whichever one popped, I like, so do you wrote know down what, that I, Madonna where it says I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah, that's a Madonna one. And is it all little lyrics from there? Yeah, yeah, it's all lyrics. So I had all the singers on loop, and then I had like a, a page of scribbles and lyrics, and then I picked whichever one. And was you pulling that text out because that was a good bit of text to go along with that image, or because it resonated with you? Yeah, no, it's just the lyric. Okay. Yeah, the lyric, and I mean, most of the time, because Bowie went through so many periods as well, and I'm not sure that photo is from the, well, that portrait of him is from the same as the lyric, where the lyric comes from, yeah. the same period. But I've got Elvis Presley, Serge Gainsbourg, Edith Piaf, because I've got to have, I've got to be honest to my roots as well a little bit. Um, and then Prince, thank you for a funky time. 
and uh, Barbara uh, Streisand. And they're all going to be black on black. Yeah, black on black and various various shades of black. And then, do you know when the date is for that? Uh, yeah, 27th of November. Where do you go for inspiration? Um, or to think? I read a lot. And because my work, because my work tends to be abstractive in in what it does, I just like in lit in literature a lot. Super, I've been reading a lot about um, modern psychiatry and Freud, and weirdly like um, going a lot through Klimt and Egon Schiele and um, like just the tortured darkness and like emotional turmoil so I've always read a lot about psychiatry and psychology and, and now you're doing and black yeah, hence the portraits yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's, it's a lot it's, it's a lot something. about it's a lot about people um yeah it's always been kind of a thing and I mean Warhol I do I love Warhol but I read more of his notebooks than I look at his images well, I didn't even know about those yeah you, I, I mean I can give you a copy of my book but he's got the most incredible Biography where he would report to this person like every day and they'd talk on the phone and she'd jot down whatever had happened to him. Wow. And it spans over years and years and he's just the way in which he describes situations and you can see he's a voyeur and he's yeah, so judgmental yeah. and like and crazy but he so I love I love like seeing the way in which he describes people yeah. because he could see through people and he had such opinions about everybody and, and were they always that, right do you think yeah I think so <laughs> <laughs> I, like to, I like to think so so is, does that class as being judgmental or just some yeah, sort definitely. of yeah um, definitely he was definitely very judgmental um, so yeah I like reading a lot about people and the, the way in which Baudelaire described things and states so it's I suppose it's a very French thing. Mm. It's very existential to just constantly try and understand states of mind. <laughs> trying <laughs> to figure out the people from yeah. within. Like L'étranger L'étranger by, by Camus, which is the outsider, I, I think in English. It's like a book that struck me. And it was like um Algeria and like just after like it was during the war and like it just it, push like the come on the states of minds that people can go through and it's the story of this guy who the first the, actually the, the book starts with today I killed my mo today I buried my mother and it's one of the most striking first lines wow. in a book and it just goes through paces through his life and he ends up killing someone but blames it on the heat of the sun on on a beach and it's like I don't know what happened and it's just about states of minds and Psychology, and I've always been um, interested in that. Where would you would you read that at home or? Yeah, yeah. In the, yeah. In the quietness. Yeah, of in the home. quietness of home. How long have you been working in this studio? How long? Um, ooh, about a bit less than a year, maybe. Is this this you're not going to get any more light in the studio than than this? Than this, yeah. It's got a glass ceiling. Yeah. And glass wall, straight yeah. doors. Yeah, um, about yeah, about a year. How long do you spend in here? Uh, I come here every day. I go for a swim in the morning, <coughs> at, like first thing when I wake up, and then, and then I come here and I look at what happened the day before, and I just work till about six or seven. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Long day. Yeah. 
What time do you get here, though? <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How's the room worth? Yes. We can just talk about mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, I saw online that you're on a panel yeah. on the 5th of October. Yes. How's that and worth in Somerset? Mm-hmm. Could you tell me a bit about that, please? Uh, yes, of course. I mean, it was introduced and orchestrated by my friend Suzanne Bisset, who has the Bruton Art Factory just minutes away from House and Worth in Somerset. And she asked me to be on on this on the panel, and I've always had a real interest for Beskia, and I mean the that whole period with Warhol and um, the shows they did together, and like where he comes from and the way he looks at things, and his approach to Memento Mori as well, mm-hmm. and portraiture, um, and I've always like and the way he uses symbolism and. So I was so yeah, she asked me to be on the panel discussion with her, and I immediately said yes. And it's, you're looking at the f- a film of film, yeah, Boom for Real, um, which is a film about his later years. The, it's called it's the late years, the late Jean Michel Betzkia. The late years, <laughs> <laughs> these late years were quite early <laughs> for other people, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, and on the panel is there's. Um, who, um, Stick, who's a well-known street artist and there is Joe Rush who makes those incredible sculptures he's amazing yeah, yeah. he's really I, I didn't know too much of his work until I was until I had a look who was up at the Bruton Art Factory when right. I was going up there last yeah. week um, I saw a couple of his sculptures up there but then when I looked into him yeah wow he's got quite a back catalogue hasn't he yeah no, he's incredible. Um, Have you met him before? You, I've met him briefly at a lunch, but I had no idea that he, that he was an artist, and I think we were all a bit drunk, and I have no, <laughs> no recalling of it. But we have a few people in common. I'm sh- like, um, yeah. So no, I met him briefly. Because I did when when I was up but in I Somerset last week. 
and I'd, as I say, I went to the Bruton Art Factory, it was shut. I went to Hazel and Worth, they were de-hanging. <laughs> so, so that's I thought, a big achievement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are days like that, you just have to give up so on I them. So well, while I'm here, maybe he, because I didn't know where he lived, I right. thought maybe he lives close, because I, I thought that Bruton Art Factory only showed people from the southwest. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe he's sort of local. Maybe I can, I'd, um, I took one of my voice recorders with me in case I sort of had the opportunity so I got in touch with his studio and they said now he's in Germany so oh right yeah, yeah. so that didn't work out yeah. either um yeah so he should be fun and then it's really funny and then it's Kira Marina my friend and she I was uh, with her in Germany and uh, someone pulled out of the panel discussion and Kira Marina has an incredible foundation um, um, the, to help artists, help our, our young artists that she inherited from her mother. And I was with her, and I said, "Do you want to be on the panel?" And texted Suzanne. She said, "Yes, absolutely." Excellent. And she's yeah. She's, That's not bad. Where is, where is her foundation? She's based in Germany, in Berlin, um, Berlin mostly. And she does. And her foundation does what? It's cool. It's Kiamaina uh, von Bismarck, and they help young artists, and they fund. I saw her name on there. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know the name. It was only today I saw her name on there when I was looking up at the um, Hazel and Worth. Yeah. And they come That's from a very a old family. It sounds very, quite very a regal. Yeah. A regal name, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. Very old. Um, family and background and she's like the most incredible interesting intelligent person it's like I've met her recently but I've been spending a lot of time with her and yeah she's like a captivating person yeah yeah she really is and she's like she's got those striking blue eyes and she kind of looks through your soul and she always she can text me about things when I'm doing things and and like and I have to look around and go how does she know that I've just? Well, how does she know that I've just thought this? Wow! So she's got one of the sharpest minds. Like she, she called me. Or oh, she's other, a stalker. <laughs> I mean, she's called. She called. This is how weird it is. She called me the other day and she said, "You haven't been swimming today, have you?" And I said, "No. How do you know? This is the first time in weeks that I haven't been." It's <laughs> like, how? So yeah, she's very connected and like very caring and a wow. bit also very intelligent. Yeah, so, so she, she'll be interesting. Very we interesting. have interesting art conversations together, so already. So have you got the same um, interests? Yeah, we do, we do, and um, I'm and she, yeah, she's, we do, we do. So that should be good. So, if there was you and five other artists, yes, past and present. Mm-hmm. What would your perfect group show be? Perfect group show? With five artists, past or present? Uh, David Althamed, who's like got a really difficult name to pronounce, but I love, um, there was one of his... I don't know. He's like, he's incredible. He, they, I saw one of his works at Saatchi years ago when I first moved here. And... How long have you been in the UK? I've been in London for, I was... 15 when I moved I'm 23 now um, so 8 years um, yeah moved. But we actually moved here because I wanted to do art and the system in France wouldn't really allow for that to happen 
So did your your mum didn't move here eight years ago, did she? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Just to accommodate you. Yeah. Good oh, <laughs> mother. Yeah, no, because I was. I mean, I wanted to make art, and I think we were all fed up with France. And um, that's kind of. Because you still live in France, though, sometimes, it. don't you? Ah. Um, yeah, we still have like the family homes in France, but um, we we moved here. But because I was I was at art school. I was at a normal school, and then at the weekends I'd go to l'école des arts déco in Paris, which is a well-known architecture yeah. school. And I just—that's what I wanted to do. And we were all fed up with the system. And my father's of a from Gibraltar, so mm. we always spoke English at home. He's, he's still in Gibraltar now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he travels a lot. Yeah. Um, so he, you know, we moved here and. Did you know which art school you wanted to go to? Yeah, or did I, you just yes. come here and? No, well, I went first. I did my A levels here, and then I went to City and Guilds, and it was the only school I applied to, and I did my foundation there, and and I was also I I think it's because I was French, but I was a year ahead of the yeah. system, and City and Guilds kind of took me under their wing, and I was like the youngest and just kind of scared of doing this and. They were, they were, it was incredible. It was an incredible time. And I was a nightmare student because I was constantly out, but they kind of accommodated <laughs> me, like coming and hung, hung so over. They only having, just let you stay there. Yeah, having been at the grouch show for like. <laughs> I was like, no, it's okay, I promise I'll be fine. I can so, it was many of the other students at the grouch show that night as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, not. It was no. Like bad. Bad. Um, Come on, bed. Um, uh, I can't find the one anymore. But yeah, that's him. He's quit. He works a lot with glass and mirror. I've not even seen that. Yeah, he's like he's out there. He's that crazy. is pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. And any more that you'd like? Um, who else? I love Mike Collishaw. Mike Collishaw's work. Yeah. Yeah, Same. a lot. Yeah. He, um, since his first, well, since I first saw him when he was in the, um, in the Sarchi's, um, exhibition, The Sensations. Yeah. I just fell in love with his work from there. Yeah. He wrote to me when I was in jail. Oh, and really? enough, I spoke to him on Sunday. Wow, okay. And, um, with, to arrange one of these. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's, okay. that's pretty cool. Yeah. I actually, I gave him his portrait that I paint that, that I drew of him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's he's really funny, and who else? Were, uh, Sue Webster actually. Oh, she's I love so Sue cool, Webster. Yeah, like every like, and and she's so much fun. And again, she's a very sharp, um, like intriguing and intelligent person. And and she looks at things from a very different angle from yeah. most people, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can't. There's no bullshit with her. No, at all, which I love. I saw. Her, I went to. Jake Chapman's he had um, he was in his band playing at um, Shoreditch House right and I was there and I got a phone call to say that like our family dog had, had to be put down so I went okay I'm come, I'll come home mm. so when I come walking out I saw Sue and she went where are you going right I said I've just had a phone call I've got to go she said Jake hasn't been on yet Oh, right. I said, yeah, I know, but I've got to go. She went, but Jake hasn't been on yet. Yeah. And I went, all right, but I've got his family thing. Yeah. Went, but Jake hasn't been on yet. <laughs> I was going, I felt like an old fuck off for you. 
<laughs> but yeah, she was sort of giving me a bollocking for going before yeah. Jake had come on, you know? Yeah. I'm sure he'd understand. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, so you said living or dead? Living. Uh, well, I mean, he's living. Matthew Barney is like one, someone that I always, always look back to, the Queer Master Cycles. I'm completely, know, completely obsessed with. Um, that was who, sorry? Matthew Barney. Um, you'd have to have Da Vinci. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's tell him where he went the, wrong. The drawing, <laughs> the drawing he got wrong. Now, what have you done wrong here yeah. on this one? Well, the, the Virgin, the Virgin, it was uh, no, St. Anne in the Rocks, that painting, because it's got so much symbolism about it, and Freud wrote about it. And there's a there's an eagle in the draperies, and he kind of, and Freud um, analysed it as being a, like a sign of, um, it was a homo, completely homoerotic, mm. and Da Vinci described having had a dream as a child of a, of a bird's tail um, f- flapping about on his face. And it, there's this, like, kind of narr- narrative behind that painting. True or accurate oh. or not, I don't know. But that That's a good painting, story, though. Yeah, definitely that painting. How many artists do we have now? I lost count. <laughs> I lost count. <laughs> oh, it's got to be four or five. Um, yeah, I think, I think those would be... I mean, I love Warhol. Yeah. You don't? Yeah. Well, I suppose there's a few people who don't. But <laughs> and if you wasn't an artist, what would you like to be? Would it be an architect? Well, it's, it'd be something... In, um, Creative? Yeah. I, I love writing about art as well. Um, I really enjoy writing about when I, art. When I saw that you was on that panel yeah. at Hauser and Worth... Yeah. As soon as I saw it, I thought, "Oh, that's yeah. you to attend." Yeah, yeah. No, I've written, I've written, I've written for Xavier actually. I've written about shows. Oh yeah. For him, yeah. I've written for Artlist a little bit. I need. Um, and I'm thi- I'm actually currently thinking about doing a not history MA. Um, because I've always just I studied art history when I was younger, and I just find it it's just so inspiring and. Do you think that pull you away from creating art? I don't know. That's a problem. It's a kind of a dichotomy. It's something that I'm going through at the moment where I'm not sure. But I think, I think well, it's a process. That. I suppose it's a process. It? Yeah. And I've, I mean, I've always read a lot, and and I love just writing um, for the fun of it. And, and would you go on and interviewing artists as well? Actually, would you get one of these? <laughs> would, you, <laughs> would you go beyond an MA? Do you think? Beyond, no, I think I, ju- I need a bit of refreshing um, in the structure and my knowledge of... Or I need a more acute knowledge about history mm. because I studied it when I was younger and I feel like I need to be refreshed about it all. So, yeah, that's what's happening. So probably what would I want to do? Just an art critic, I suppose. I'd like to be like, yeah, like if this doesn't... Just spend your time going from gallery to gallery analysing. Yeah, exactly. What shows have you seen? This isn't one of the questions. I'm just asking. Uh-huh. What, what shows have you been to recently, or in the in the um, in the past few months that have captured you? Um, oh, Gilbert George in Al in the south of France was really good. I was over there. Yeah, Gil- yeah, Gilbert and George. And it was a big retrospective, and and there were like there were small. 
um, they were kind of small collages and photos that they had made when they were younger. And I, I really love the early their early work actually, mm-hmm. and a lot of um, and what I'm doing at the moment, I try to be inspired by. And them. was you over there at the time? Yeah. Oh, that's handy. Yeah. So that show was really good, um, and. Oh, in the past few months, I was going to say there was like a, a show that was Picasso and his masters in in Paris. That but that was a while ago. I don't know why I'm thinking about that show. I think it 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 came back to London recently or something. But yeah, that show is good. Uh, yeah, saying about Gilbert and George, they had a big show down in Tate Modern years ago. Yeah, and I was I think I was still at university at the time, and. They give me a couple of tickets for this um, for this show, and there yeah. was I think there was five hundred tickets that right. Tate gave Gilbert and George to, for invites. Oh right! When we went to the Tate, it was absolutely mobbed. We see him afterwards, and uh, you know I said, I said like you know it's a lot more than five hundred people here. Yeah. He said we had the tickets reprinted. <laughs> <laughs> But it must have been at least another 500 tickets, and they were just handing even more tickets out to people. Brilliant, that was really good. Yeah, that's really funny. Um, yeah, that's really good actually. Well, I think that's a good enough place to leave it there. You've answered all my questions. Where can people see your work at the moment? I mean, there's going to be another... The print show with Jealous is travelling to their gallery in Crouch End, but until end of November. And um, online you are? Online. I have a website, but I use Instagram more. Yeah. Um, yeah, Instagram's good. And it's good as a personal brainstorm as well, because I like going back down the thread and looking at what I've done. And on Instagram, you are just... mc.liamas. Which is double L A M A M A S, yeah. Okay, that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. (laughs) How about that, MC Yamas? I had a lot of fun making that podcast. So I'm sure you'll agree with me, no matter what path MC decides to go down, whether it is to carry on producing art or down the road of art history or hopefully a mixture of the two, I don't think there's any doubt she's going to be quite a success. And taking advantage of both those situations, at the end of the podcast, I asked MC if she'd be in the third face value exhibition that I'll be putting on, hopefully, in the spring in Jealous Gallery, if they've got dates available. And as she mentioned her love of writing about art, I also took that opportunity to ask her to do a little foreword for the catalogue for me, which she gladly agreed. And speaking of Jealous, I was down there today... I went to meet Karen Ashton from the Art Car Boot Fair. And if you remember from last week's podcast, I mentioned that the Art Car Boot Fair, Chris Levine and the social media platform Vero had teamed together and asked people to upload photographs in the theme of Cross. The prize being an original Chris Levine artwork with a value of £8,000. And just by chance, a few nights previous... During one of my night walks, I'd gone into the centre of a local high-rise block of flats and I'd aimed the camera, or the phone, up towards the sky and the shape of the top of the block of flats formed a sort of crucifix of sky. 
it was a damn fine photograph. I put it up on social media. I got a fair bit of love for it. And a few weeks later, I found out that the Art Car Boot Fair, Chris Levine and Vero fought the same and made me the winner. So I'm now the very lucky owner of an original Chris Levine artwork. Lucky, lucky me. And while I was talking to Karen, we started talking about Patrick Hughes, whose studio is about 100 metres away from Jealous. She mentioned that she hadn't met him before, so I offered to take her over there to see if he was in. We went over to the studio, knocked on the door. One of Patrick's assistants let us in and said that he was downstairs working on some of his reverse perspectives. So Karen and I went down to his basement studio and spent an utterly enjoyable half an hour or so in his company. So all in all, I've had a pretty eventful day. And just rounding the things off, on social media this week, I saw that painter Rowan Newton had posted that himself, Eric Thorpe and Nicholas Stavari were starting their own podcast called The Art Proof Podcast. So I followed the link in their bio and a big smile came on my face when I saw who was featured on their very first episode. It was performance artist Johnny Costi. I'd first met Johnny maybe two or possibly three years ago when I was volunteering for the day at Kersler's headquarters. Johnny had recently been released from prison and was doing a couple of days a week work at Kersler. And because we'd both spent time in jail and art was one of the main reasons for us turning our lives around, we obviously had a lot in common. After that day, we kept in touch for a few months, but, you know, as you do, we did end up losing touch. So it was a lovely little surprise when uh, I saw that he was featured in their first episode. Johnny is a very socially aware person. He gives a lot of his time over to working with prisoners and with young guys who are still involved in the gang culture. So don't bother listening to me telling you how good it is. Go over to the Art Proof Podcast Instagram page, follow the link in their bio and find out for yourself. And talking of performance artists, next week you're in the company of Mr. Franco B. Now Franco's first several years of his life makes my 14 year prison sentence look like a bloody walk in the park. How he come through it with all his marbles is beyond me. Well say all his marbles, most of them. But yeah, Franco, what an absolute gentleman. So as I always say, please pass the word about the Mizogart podcast. You can see what I'm up to over on the Instagram page and all social medias, which is at Mizogart, which is M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T. You can see our massive lineup over on www.mizogart.com. And if you want to get in touch with me for any reason, you can always email me on podcast at mizogart.com. And speaking of contacting me, just before I go, um, on the platform where I upload this podcast so that it can be pinged out to whatever platform you listen to it on, you can get a data profile and it shows you where all around the world the Mizogart podcast is downloaded. Each week there's three or four hundred in the UK, two or three hundred over in the US, um, a couple of dozen across Europe and Australasia. I did notice there was a little tiny spot in the middle of Africa. 
And when I clicked on it, it was highlighting the country of Burundi. And it showed that each episode had been downloaded once. And I can only presume it's by the same person. I knew nothing of Burundi, so I just went and had a look on Google, as you do. And it turned out that, well, Burundi isn't having a, the greatest of times at the moment, which made that one weekly download quite special to me and put a big smile on my face. So if you are that person in Burundi and you're able, would you be able to drop me a line on the email address of podcast at mizogart.com? And if you're not able, no worries, but thanks for putting a smile on my face. And I hope one comes on yours when you hear me talking about you. Anyway, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Thank you to MC for allowing me in your studio. And I look forward to seeing you next week. So until then, ta-da. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.